Well, praise the Lord. I want to, um, I want to just uh, start today with prayer, ask the Lord to be with us. We're going to go right into our ministry and the message training, and um, then we're going to talk today. i got a lot to talk about, so the Lord's been talking to me. So, Father, we thank you today for your love and your kindness for these men here that are committed to your Lord, will and way in their life. Lord, I pray today that you allow me to speak with love, Lord, with conviction, with anointing. Lord, allow us to just do what you've called us to do as we train for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone say amen. 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 So we're a little behind. Uh, uh, We talked about the calling of God last week. I'm going to come back to serving in the ministry. I'm going to go, and that's where we're going to talk about jails and hospitals and and uh, connect groups, and we're going to go into depth. Uh, that'll be a, a, a big thing. Uh, today we're going to talk about how to study and prepare. And then our class project. Uh, at the end of today, I'm going to give us a project uh, for the month of September. And that will involve uh, those that want to, all of those that say, hey, Pastor, that's, that's what I would, I would love to do. Um, it will involve you speaking um, uh, in the next month or in, in the month of October, November, we'll, we're going to talk more about that. And um, I'm going to sit with you individually. Um, Pastor Dan, woohoo! right? Uh, Dan Tackett is going to be preaching this Sunday morning. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I'm looking forward to talk about what his, um, his message was today. And um, what have I told you over and over again? 35 minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I told him if you don't go 35 minutes, I'll go. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to tie a rope to his leg. (laughs) Just like they did the prophets. I try to do it short anyways. They want me to come back. There you go. (laughs) Okay, the calling of God. Everybody say the calling of God. Calling of God. The scripture tells us that the calling of God in your life, the gift of God in your life, is without repentance. Everybody say without repentance. In other words, once God calls you to a ministry, a calling of ministry, He doesn't repent from that. There are people that leave it. There are people that try to get away from it, but it never leaves their call. Their, their calling never leaves their soul. It never. The callings and the gifts of God are without repentance. In other words, He will not take them back. You will, though, be responsible for them in the last day. We find that example uh, of the talents. What God allowed you to have, he requires an answer for. So it's important that you recognize when you accept God's calling, you're accepting it for not just a few days. or a few. You can run as far as you want. You can quit. You can live like the devil. The calling of God is still in your life. It doesn't mean it's active or activated but it means that it's still there. So we can uh, study more about that. I read this last week, Mark 3 and 13, the basis of that lesson last week, the calling of God. Jesus is here selecting the 12 disciples in Mark 3, and he went up uh, on the mountain and called to him. So we know what they were called. Everybody say they were called. Those, uh, he himself. Everybody say God himself. himself. Yeah, God himself called me. You didn't call me. You didn't call me. I didn't call you. My mom didn't call me. My dad didn't call me. God himself called me, right? The assurance in that is so important. Do not, uh, I know a lot of, and unfortunately, this is just true. I know a lot of, of men that um, 
um, and I'm going to use men specifically because of the, the reference that I'm giving, but uh, that uh, their wives called them, their mom called them, their dad called them. I, you know, and, and they f- frustrate and flounder. And I always say to myself, man, I better know who called me. Everybody say amen. amen. So you better know who called you. Did God call you? God himself wanted and came to him. So number one, he called you, he wanted you, and you've got to come to him. There's action required on your part. You can say no, right? You can say no. Um, I, I refuse to walk away from that. But the Bible says they came to him, and he appointed 12. By the way, there were a lot more than 12 that came, right? But there was only 12 that were appointed or anointed, and they that they might be with him. Everybody say with him. With him. And that he might what? Send them. Everybody say send them. Send them. To what? Preach and to what? Have power to heal sickness and to what? Cast out demons. So he called us. He wanted us. We had to come. And when we got there, it wasn't to do for him. It was to be with him. It was to be with him. Sometimes the hardest thing in our life is to just be with God, right? Because we're action-oriented. We're humans. We want to be feeling accomplished. We want to be. And so it's so important that we recognize being with him is more important than doing from him. And out of your being with him, you will receive that doing. And he wanted to send them. So uh, being with him qualified them to be sent. Okay? Okay. Being with him, qualified. Non-spiritual people in ministry is disaster waiting to happen. Let me say that again. Non-spiritual people. doesn't mean they don't have good hearts. doesn't mean that they don't love God. doesn't mean that they don't... But they, they seek things other than spiritual things. And, um, and, and what do you mean by that? I, I mean that it doesn't mean they don't seek after God. But their main thrust, what drives them, is not needing to be with Jesus. It's needing to be approved. It's needing to to have a position. It's needing to, so it skews, it cockeyes, so to speak. (laughs) It it makes crooked the straight uh, in their lives. And they can straighten that out, by the way. They can get back. They can humble themselves before the Lord, right? They can humble themselves to authority, those kinds of things. Uh, to help them, but so many people are driven by by things that um, are are not Jesus and Jesus alone. So we all struggle with that. Someone say Amen, because we're human and we want to be recognized and we want all those things, right? And this goes for men and women, and uh, as well. And the reason he sent them was to preach and power to have heal the sick and cast out demons. So we can look that it's the gospel, right? It's healing the physical and it's dealing with the spiritual, right? So he called them, sent them to what? Share the gospel, heal the sick, deal with the physical body. And to what? Cast out demons, deal with the spiritual body. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. So your calling is not just... You know, well, I'm called to be a prophetess or a prophet or a, no, you're calling first and foremost is to do three things. Preach the gospel, heal people in their body and heal people in their spirit. So that's what Jesus appointed. The, now the apostles uh, and the disciples did a lot more than that, right? They did all, all types of things, but we see why he called them 
Very important that you know that about your calling. What are you called to do? Well, I'll tell you what you're called to do. You're called to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to heal people's spiritual. And I would also say emotional because you can't have spirit things without it affecting emotional things. Right? So in your life, you got to recognize, what am I doing? Every person that you pray with at the grocery store, at work, on the job, online, you need to assess what am I trying to accomplish in my calling? Am I trying to help them through spiritual things, physical things, emotional things, so you can pray correctly and you can serve correctly? So let's say amen. Amen. Any questions about that? Amen. So uh, important stuff. Know who called you and know what you're supposed to do in that calling. People say, I don't know what I'm called to do. Yeah, yeah. There's three things that every person that's called needs to do. Sometimes we want to perfect things that are out here. We want, we want to know algebra before we know two plus two. And, and we've got to practice to get to the place of knowledge and understanding. So it's not just about knowledge, it's about understanding. So he called them, they responded, and he called them to a specific thing, three things. <clears throat> that he would send them out to preach and have power to heal sick and to cast out demons. Those are important factors. So today we're going to talk about studying and preparation in your life. This applies, what I'm fixing to talk to you about today applies to your Bible study. It applies to one-on-one, -on -one, right? It applies to ministering in a small group where you have 15 people or 30 people. It applies to um, your family and its devotions. It applies to preaching in a pulpit at a church. It applies to leading a men's a prayer. It applies to all these things. Um, and so uh, the study and preparation. In 2 Timothy 2 and 15, uh, we're going to find the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, now Timothy was what his, his understudy. Timothy was appointed to him to be his assistant and to help him along the way. So in this process, we find study and preparation was of utmost importance for Paul to tell Timothy. Timothy, study. Everybody say study. Study. Um, study, 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 study. How many love to study, right? Right. Well, in school. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love to study. My grandson is not excited about going back to school because it's going to involve study. Then I think all your kids are about the same, right? Right. Because study is work. I'm going to say work. work. So you can love your work. It doesn't matter. You need to study. You can hate your work. You got to study. Someone say amen. amen. If you don't study, you're not a, you, you can't approve yourself to God. You cannot speak for things that you don't know. If you don't know God's word, then you cannot speak for God. And, and I cannot emphasize this so much. Your calling is absolute from God. But what you, will you come to him and will you allow him to work in your life? Because study is part of your duty to God when you answer that call. He appointed, he called them. I want you to come over here. Come over here, I got a special thing for you to do. I want you to be with me. That being with him is where the study happens. That being with him. All of your study should always be in the form of devotion for self, number one. Number two, how can I spread this to others? 
So every time you're studying, every word I study, I always apply it to self first. Self first. And then when the Lord speaks to me, I try to figure out, okay, Lord, are you speaking this just to me? Or is this supposed to be for the, the calling that you've called me to, right? Which is ministry, which is preaching the word over a pulpit uh, in, in Bible studies. So study to show thyself, or let's say myself. That's interesting. It's doesn't, it, it, this is an interesting word here because it's not, you're not studying to show everybody else. You're not, you're not studying to show, first and foremost, you've got to prove to yourself why. Because this is where your self-confidence will come from. When you have studied and you know that you know the word, you'll be able to speak with boldness. And then God will approve. So thyself approved unto God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Right? That needeth not to be ashamed. And then it says here, what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Everybody say rightly. rightly. So from that word rightly, I want to make sure that you have a clear understanding. In 1 Peter, we find uh, 3 and 15. This is what it says in the King James. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, right? And be ready always. Everybody say always. Always. Always to give an answer to where? Every man. Give an answer to the Muslim. Give an answer to the homosexual. Give an answer to your mother-in-law, your brother-in-law, your friend, your neighbor. Give an answer to every man. Educated, non-educated. It doesn't matter. Every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meek, with what? Meekness and what? Fear. Not with haughtiness, not as a club, not as showing off your scripture knowledge, not any of those things, but to what? With meekness and fear. So many times ministry is, 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 is given out through the lens of I know more than you, right? That's not what we're commanded to do. Our study should be unto God. We should make sure that we are ready to give an answer to every man, every man, every man. So what does that mean? Uh, so to study, to show myself approved. So approved unto who? Myself and God, right? I have self-confidence and I know that God has confidence in me. Number two, I'm supposed to also what? Sanctify my, uh, the Lord in my heart so that I can what? Give an answer to every man. So when I cannot espouse clearly and concisely what I believe and know God would speak, I am failing in this passage. I'm failing in this scripture. So why is this so important? Because if you cannot give an answer, uh, here as of late, um, uh, I have, uh, I don't know, there's been a, 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 a uh, I don't know if you call it a new, it's more of a fresh boldness in, in my this post-pandemic time because people were making statements of faith um, online, uh, uh, making statements of faith to me, making statements of faith to others, and they're saying things that are not true, right? They're saying things that are, but they're speaking them as truth. So my uh, response to that has been in the last six months has been show okay man that sounds great show me in your bible what's here we got a phone here let's you got i got my bible i got three but you got a bible yeah i got a bible on my phone okay well good so show me where it says that in the scriptures 
And as the Lord is my witness, I have yet some of these things that have been, I won't call them, I don't, they don't understand what they're saying. This is the sad part. They don't know they're puppeting what they've heard, whether it be from a podcast or online or a ministry. Um, uh, they're not espousing the word of God. They're puppeting what they've heard from others. Ladies and gentlemen, especially you here today, you better know who God is in your life and have a revelation of that word for yourself. Stop depending on others for revelation. It's not revelation. In, in ministry, you cannot quote others and expect people to follow when they find out that you're just quoting other people and haven't studied it for yourself. Study to show yourself approved. Do I read incessantly? I, I, do I study? Yes. Do I watch? Absolutely. But I don't let them define what I believe about God's word. I work from God's word the other way. Uh, in fact, I, when I'm watching uh, somebody preach, I've got to be very careful that I get into what I call receive mode versus critic mode, right? <laughs> because if you're not careful, you will just, well, that, that wasn't used correctly. That's out of context, right? You, and you'll, instead of receiving what, right? And in every sermon, there's, there's bones. You know, I, I say to everybody that I give books to, this is chicken. It's got some great meat, but buddy, don't swallow the bones. It'll kill you. <laughs> Why? Because it's true, right? And when you're watching things, you better study to show yourself approved. You better know what is being said is truth and be able to identify it and know that, you know what, that's their opinion. It doesn't mean it's a bad opinion or a good opinion. It's just not the word of God. It's their opinion. And that's fine. By the way, I give my opinion at times across the podium. I try very hard to limit that, right? Why? Because my opinion is not the word of God, right? Uh, there are things that uh, God is silent about uh, that we try to navigate in our current cultures, right? But we better be careful of speaking for God when God does not speak. So in our lives, uh, studying gives you that power to know. Knowledge is power, by, by the way, you know that. To know, you know what? Well, I can receive that. that wow, that was amazing. That was a great word, but I, I don't have to receive this, Right? Paul himself writes in Corinthians about this is what I think, right? And, and you have to recognize that every one of us have opinions, like belly buttons. We all have them, right? Um, so uh, in our, our studying, we can't have our opinion. We've got to let God's word speak for itself. Someone say amen. Amen. Too many times we work backwards. We listen to opinions and inform what God's word should say. Versus knowing what God's word says and forming our opinion from that. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? So be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Especially in this hour. There's a lot of people. A lot of people. Lots and lots and lots of spiritual weakness in high places. People claiming prophetic words and this, that, and the other. You better measure them by the only thing that can save you. That's the word of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Someone say amen. amen. How many believe that that word is sure and it's absolute? Amen. amen. How many believe it's the only way of salvation? Right. So you better not listen to people over the word of God. I am disturbed in this hour how many people were, are hearing words when it's not from the word of God. I watched a message a couple days. Well, it's been more like two weeks ago now. Um, but 
um, they took a, uh, it was about men's beards, right? Someone sent this to me, right? And this man railed, beards are satanic, beards are, I mean, railed. Yeah, all y'all are going right straight to the lake of fire, right? <laughs> um, you know, and railed, and man, a crowd of a thousand people, man, cheering him on. Yeah, that's right, amen. Not one, not one passage of scripture or reference to God's word. Not one. That's idolatry. Mm -hmm. That's idolatry. And I would not want to be in their shoes on Judgment Day because they are speaking for God when God did not speak. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says if you cut your beard, you're in trouble. Right. They plucked Jesus. That's right. What was the premise of why it was bad? The, the premise of why it was bad was simply because he doesn't like beards. That, that it was at a holiness convention in Arkansas. And church, <clears throat> massive church. I mean, massive church. And this guy gets to preaching about beards and how they're ungodly and unholy. You're unsubmitted. You're so, so what happens when one, one of the men in this congregation has such a sensitive skin reaction to razors that it absolutely tears his face up? Going to hell, my friend. Yeah. Straight to hell. Straight to hell. Would you rather the razor tear you up, my brother, or hell burns you hot? And that's their approach. Not one scripture. I listened to it for 20 minutes. Not one scripture. Gentlemen, ladies... Do not be those individuals. Mm -hmm. right. Why? They are not in the book. And the book is the only thing that can save you. Amen. The word of God. So what do we do with that? We dispose of that. Right? We don't mock it. We don't have time for that. Right. What do we do? We expose it. There it is. It's ungodly. It's idolatry. Move on. We did the same thing for years with women's hair. Right? There has got to be an understanding the scripture is the final say. And if you don't believe that, I, I get so weary with people telling me, well, what I was taught when I was a kid, but that's not what my pastor taught me. I honor those and I love them. And we stand on the shoulders of so many people that went on before us. But you are responsible. Study to show yourself approved of God. So... I cannot emphasize this enough in this conversation because I will challenge you. If you get up and preach something that's outside of the word of God, number one, I will correct you privately. Number two, I will counteract the word spoken over the congregation. Not in an ungodly way, not in a Dan said last week way, right? But I promise you, right? When I face spiritual opposition and demonic powers, I know it. You know it. And you have to counteract it with what? My opinion, my frustration, my anger. I have all those. <laughs> no, counteract it with the word of God. The word of God, the word of God, the word of God. So sanctify it in your hearts, right? Give a reason, right? Someone say amen. amen. So all right, look, no, real quick, study and preparation. There's, there's four things you need to know, and I hope you write these down. Um, and you better uh, understand them uh, because they are vital to this section. Number one, know your mission. Everybody say, know my mission. Know my mission. Teaching or preaching, saved or unsaved. We'll talk and delve more into that in a minute. Number two, know your audience. Know your audience. 
Terrence has the idea just to snap a picture of that slide. Know your audience. If you don't know your audience, you're not going to know how to minister to them. Knowledge level, education, culture, background, we'll talk more about that in a second. Number two, number three, like I've been talking about, know your Bible. Everybody say context. 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 Right? Number two, verify. After you've figured out the context, you've studied it, verify it. How do you verify it? The mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I have a close-knit group of people that I will call. If I'm studying something and it's like, man, I've never seen this before. It's kind of out there. It's kind of interesting. I will always pick up the phone and say, from this passage, from this scripture, what do you think, Chris Mothers? Or what do you think, Bishop Hutchins? Or what are your thoughts, Brother Suber? Right? I want to hear what others see in that passage. I will also take and read it in every translation I can get my hand on. So I'll read it in the New King James, the King James, the NIV. I'll read it so I can get the fullness of the flavor. I'll read it in the original Greek. I'll read it in the original uh, Hebrew, depending on what I'm reading. Uh, why? Because I want to make sure that I'm not preaching false doctrine. I verify what I am preaching. So don't go half-cocked and say, well, the, 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 you know, be careful. Because you'll cause confusion in the body of Christ. And it'd be better that you hung a millstone around your neck than offend one of his own. Number four is respect the house. Everybody say respect the house. So this is very, very important. Respect the house. So let's talk. Know your mission. Everybody say my mission. Every one of you in this room have a little different mission. Right? You're not a cookie cutter, thank God. We don't want cookie cutters. We want people that are called according to their gifts, their abilities, and their talents. We want people that will operate as God speaks to them under the umbrella of spiritual authority. So know your mission. A mission is not a vision. Our vision here at Pineview is, is, is to go love. I must say go love. But when we go on a mission, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to, this week we're doing a VBS, right? That's our mission that plugs into our vision. There, a mission is something you go and accomplish in order to see the greater vision accomplished. A vision will never be fulfilled. Hear me today. My vision will never, why? Because it is so large, it will outlive me. My mission, it better be fulfilled, Right? worked on, stri striving towards it. So we, we have a mission. So you have, you know you're called to go make disciples. Someone say amen. Yeah. You know you're called for, for three things. What? For, what is the three things? Does anybody? Preach, heal the body, and cast out demons. There you go. We know that's our mission, our vision rather. So how do we go cast out devils? How do we go heal bodies? How do, that's the mission of our lives. Okay? So know your mission. In every situation that you're in, you're going to have to ask yourself, why am I here and what is my mission? I get called to a hospital, right? And I uh, know the mom and dad. I ministered to them uh, 10 years ago, but now they have a cousin and they're in the hospital. They're in the burn unit or they're uh, dying of cancer. And they call me and say, Pastor, and I know we haven't talked in a long time, but could you come pray with my cousin? 
I'm sorry, you're not a member here at Pineview. I cannot help you. You know, No, you're called to be a minister. It's going to interrupt your life, by the way. Right? So I know my mission. Number one, I don't know them. I have walked into rooms where people said to me, please leave. Do not, I don't want your prayers. I've walked into more than one room like that. One specific, I was called, this is going to be in the service part of our conversation in a week or two or whatever it is. I was called there thinking that the individual that called me had communicated with the patient. I got there and the patient and the wife had no idea I was coming and not why I was here, why I was there. So I got put in a very awkward place. So when I walked, I'm here to pray for you today. We didn't ask you to pray. We didn't call for you. We have a priest. Leave. We don't need you. Yep, I'm sorry. There must have been a misunderstanding. Have a great day. We're, we're praying for you. Turn around and walk out. I didn't try to, didn't force anything. Why? Because I wasn't welcome there. I wasn't welcome there, right? Shake the dust off your feet. That's right. And it didn't affect me. It just, I'll never forget it because it felt so awkward, right? Um, but, uh, and, and I was very frustrated with the individual that had called me because they indicated to me that they had talked to this individual and that they wanted me to come up there, right? So I communicated with them that, listen, don't do that to me again. <laughs> I love you, but do not call me someplace I'm not wanted. That's just, it's a waste of my time, energy, effort, gas, etc. Um, so you got to know your mission. And, and this is so important because if you don't know your mission, you're going to be hurt and killed. You're going to be hurt, right? If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and how to do it, you, you're not. So you got to train for the mission. you got to know what mission. So if you're preaching to a thousand people, who are you preaching to? Are you preaching to young people, middle-aged people? Are you preaching to... Uh, mostly ethnic? Are you preaching to people that only speak Spanish? Are you speaking? To, I mean, you got to know who you're talking to, right? Um, I'm not going to be able to go because of my stupid eye, but I, me and Pastor Joe Carpenter were supposed to do a conference in Barcelona, Spain next month, and uh, they're only Spanish speaking, right? So preparing for only a Spanish speaking message through a translator is very, very different than preaching your normal message. Because it has to be preached twice. So I'm speaking it and they repeat me. They speak it and they repeat me. So my notes are no more than a page long. No more. Very concise. Very to the point. Very simplistic. Why? I, don't, I, I, I can't speak their culture. I don't know all the nuances. I'm a guest in someone else's home. We'll talk about that. So what does Jesus say in John 4? 4, 4, right? And he must go... And he must needs go through Samaria. This is a, a passage of scripture in John 4 where Jesus um, is leaving and he, and, and he tells his disciples, I must need go through Samaria. And they didn't understand it. Well, we know, because we read the rest of the book, that it was the woman at the well that was there. He met and they had this chance meeting. No, it wasn't chance meeting. It was a God-appointed moment, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus understood very clearly, I've got to go there. Why? Because there's a woman that's going to come to a well and when I minister her, it's going to win the whole city. Right? So you understand, Jesus did not try to uh, hold a revival meeting. Jesus didn't call everybody together like he did the 5,000 on the. They didn't get, no, it was one on one. So Jesus used his godlike skills, his God skills, I should say, um, in order to what? Be a minister to the one and understand what his mission was that day. 
So the disciples didn't understand. We're hungry. We're going to get some food, right? They left him with this woman. And, and they get, he comes up, Jesus, you've got to eat. He said, listen, stop trying to make me eat. Read the passage. I know I have meat you know not of. So Jesus, the disciples struggled with this mission because you know, it was just outside of their normal bounds of thinking. So you've got to know when you're on a mission from God, you better be able to clearly, concisely be able to minister to that, not from a generic place, but from an observation, this person, who they are, what they are, how they react to me, what's their situation, what's their status in life, where are they going in life, right? So you do an assessment when you're ministering to people. If I'm ministering to someone homeless, I don't speak or pray over them like I would someone in a, in a college campus, right? Why? Because they're living two different worlds, two different cultures, two different lives, two different things. Is the gospel the same? Absolutely. But the presentation of that gospel and my sensitivity to that mission, my mission for a college student is very different than a mission for a person in a homeless corner of a street, right? Know your mission. What are you supposed to be doing? That's going to change. You're a special ops group. The vision is to go love. How you mission that and do it will change often, very often. So recognize that the Samaritan woman at the well was ministered to. He won not only her, but the whole city. Why? Because he understood what his mission. I must need. I've got to go through Samaria because there's someone there that's on my mission. So... Uh, our teaching and preaching must match our, our mission. So when I'm doing a home Bible study with somebody, I'm always assessing. I ask questions like, man, so you've been raised in the church? You, have, you, have you known God? What's your relationship with God? How, you know, what's, man, I know you love the word of God. Have, have you studied it very much? Why? Because I want to know. I want to know what my mission's supposed to be. Have you ever given your heart to Jesus? Have you ever walked with him? Have you ever... Being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking, you know, I, I want to know, right? Now, you don't do that all at once, right? You are, again, observation and being able to see. But you do the same thing with a church. You walk into a church building that you've never been into and you observe. You know what? What's the culture of this church? Is this a multicultural church, a mixed-race church? Is this a, a, a single-race church? Is this What is this church? What is their basis? What, how can I minister to them? Are they in a rural setting? Are they in a, in a, in a city setting? What are they? Where? What? Right? Because if you don't know your mission, you will most likely miss helping them. Does this make sense? Yeah. Any questions? So our teaching and our preaching must match our mission. So um, every again, your mission will change on a very regular basis as, as ministers. Because you're going to be inter interacting with all kinds of different people. Paul writes to the church. Uh, and, and so his, his approach was very different than that of Jesus dealing with sinners. Right? Paul wrote mostly to the church. Paul did not write to sinners. Oh, well, he did write to sinners because we're all sinners saved by grace. He did not write to people that were unsaved. Most, 99% of Paul's writing was to the church body on how to do, how to live, how to operate in the Spirit, how to, et cetera, et cetera. So when you read Paul's writings, the Pauline epistles, you're going to read them very differently than you're going to read the Gospels, right? 
in a way that who, who's being spoken to? We learn how to interact with the sinner from Jesus. Now, of course, Paul interacted with sinners, and so did Peter. No, of course, and you're going to look at those as well. But the majority of the time, they were teaching us how to live in a New Testament covenant. Okay? Any questions there? This is good stuff. So know your mission. Know your mission. Let's listen to the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 and 7. Watch this. This is one of my favorite chapters. And by the way, if you ever have a question about whether you should be saved by the law or by the, the faith in Christ, <laughs> you should read the book of Galatians. <laughs> um, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility. This is Paul entering into the service. He is being introduced to James and the higher-ups of Jerusalem, those of the Christian church. Remember, he had held the coat of Stephen, right? Remember, he had all that stuff. He was a zealot, killing the Christians. Now he's a part of them and one of them. And he's getting They give him the right hand of fellowship here along with Barnabas and uh, and different things happened. In fact, he had four men with him, and they all shaved their head and were cleansed. Paul shaved his head and was cleansed. Although he says, I, I, you know, I really didn't think it was necessary because it's not a part of my covenant to the Gentiles, and et cetera, et cetera. But he did it because he was, anyway, right. it was the right thing to do, right? Here's what it says. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility, everybody say responsibility, responsibility. of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul understood his mission. I'm not here to, he was a Jew, a Roman Jew. But Paul said, I'm not here to try to convert the Jew. I'm here, God has called me to a specific call, and that is to win the rest of the world, the Gentiles. So he says, they saw that in me, right, in Galatians. Uh, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. So Peter was called to the Jewish people, right? By the way, he didn't do it very well. We can talk about that later. Um, because he tried to live in both worlds. He tried to remain, keep his Judaism while trying to keep his Christianity. And you can't have both, by the way. Mm, boy, that's, that'll preach. Right. Uh, so what does he say? Uh, For the same God who worked through Peter as an apostle to the Jews also worked through me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Know your mission. Know your mission. Know your mission. So uh, later Paul writes in Romans 11, 13, For I speak to you Gentiles in so much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. In other words, my ministry is best suited for the Gentiles. It's called to the Gentiles. I know what I'm doing, the mission I have for the Gentiles. All right, let's keep going. Number two, know your audience. Everybody say, know my audience. Know your audience. So if you don't know your audience, you're in trouble. If I go in and present something very technical and very, very deep concerning genealogies in a rural church of farmers, I may not hit the mark. I may lose them a little bit. I'm not suggesting farmers are stupid. I'm just simply saying that may not be the thing that they have aware, been aware of or, or availed themselves of, right? If, if you don't know your audience, so when you're, when you're teaching a home Bible study, you better know something about the person you're talking to and teaching. Why? Because if you don't know your audience, you'll miss the mark. 
The same is true for Bible study. You're at Pine View. We, so what is, what, is our, what is our audience? It's multicultural. It's multigenerational, right? Uh, we live in one of the high, most highly educated areas of, of the United States when it comes to uh, formal education, right? But we also have uh, a high percentage of people that are not uh, have higher education, right? So you know that. So what does that mean to me? That means that I can speak and use big words, but I better explain them well enough that everybody can understand them. Follow me? So I can use words, plethora, or words that might, you know, I wouldn't use, right? Um, but I better have a basis where they fully understand. There's a, there is a... There is an unspoken, well, it's actually not unspoken, it's spoken of, that most books are written at a third grade level, right? Most books that are written in the United States, published, are written for someone that has no more than a third grade education. Now, that's interesting, isn't it, right? Now, that has changed over the years a little bit, but it's still very, very low. Why? Because they want that book to get to everyone possible. Those that are highly educated can can overlook the fact. Why? Because they're looking for something more than the words, right? They're looking for meaning, etc. But if you have a book that you hand somebody that they don't know how to read very well, then you're gonna they're gonna lay it down and never pick it back up. It's intimidating, right? So know your audience. Speak as you would want to be spoken to with respect. Everybody say respect. respect. Don't downplay it. Speak it correctly, and, and, but know who you're talking to. Because if you don't know who you're talking to, you're going to have a hard time communicating with them. So you're not who, you know, what is their knowledge level of God's word? Am I speaking to people that they weren't raised in Sunday school? They don't know the general stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Noah and the flood, and Abraham and Isaac. They don't know these stories. I'm, listen, guys, I'm telling you, they don't know these stories. So if you speak things that they don't know, it's going to go right over their heads. So be aware. Sometimes I will take minutes to explain the history. Abraham, who was called on the land of Ur, I will take a minute to explain those details because I'm speaking to people that simply don't know. It doesn't mean they're bad people or stupid people. or No, they just they, there's an education gap in their life when it comes to God's word. So be aware of that. Don't make references that you assume everybody knows. Know your audience. Amen? Amen. Is this helping anybody today? Yeah. Education. Know their education levels. Know their culture. Right? Know their culture. Be aware. There are cultural norms and cultural ad norms. Be aware that when you're preaching, you don't use words or stories or examples that would be offensive to a certain culture. Right? So I, a couple months ago, I was preaching, and, um, and I almost made a huge mistake. And it was, well, it wouldn't have been huge, but it would have, I, I would have been like, oh, God, I would have played it over and over in my mind a thousand times, right? Because I almost used the phrase to speak in tongues like a Chinaman. And that would have been offensive. Right? In a different day, a different hour, our grandparents may have used that, whatever. We're living in today, in 2022, and we better adjust our verbiage to know who we're speaking to. Mm -hmm. right? right? So be careful 
with your words. Now, I did not speak it. Stefan come to me afterwards. He said, you almost. I said, yes, sir, I almost. He laughed. He said, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Why? Because, right? Why? We're, we're in the public. It has nothing to do with what you think is okay. It has everything to do with what the people that you're trying to reach thinks okay. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the word of God and right and wrong here. I'm talking about culture. You follow me? Mm -hmm. Know your audience. Be aware of your audience. And, you know, we can say, well, you know, my, I don't think it's a big deal. Well, that's great, fine, and wonderful. But if you want to become all things to all men that you might win some, you better alter that. So, everybody say amen. amen. So Jesus used common things to teach the truth, and he spoke within the culture of the Jews. Jesus, when he was talking to the Jews, he didn't speak. He talked about Abraham. He talked about things they referred or understood very clearly. And so when Jesus was ministering, he talked about candles. He talked about coins. He talked about farms. He talked about talents. He talked about money. He talked about the wine. He was speaking to a group of people that could not read or write and that were slaves to the Roman Empire. Think about this for a second. Jesus was ministering to mostly people that could not read or write and were slaves to the Roman Empire. So when he spoke, he did not speak in, like he spoke to the scribes. He speaks, if you read the story of Nicodemus, you'll find he speaks to Nicodemus in ways that Nicodemus could understand because he could read and write and understood. He was uh, uh, more educated, right? So, but when Jesus is talking to the 5,000 or he's talking to those on a hillside or ministering to those in the sick places, he did not speak to them on a level that he spoke to Nicodemus. He told stories that they would understand. Let me tell you this story about a rich man. Right? Had a wedding, right? Let me tell you a story, right? We know them as parables. Jesus used this mode of communication to get to every man's love. The smartest man in the room could understand it, and the person that had zero education could also understand it. Why? Because it used common things to speak greater truths. So, very important. So, Jesus used this concept. And I try to use it as well. I try to use it as well. Uh, Paul on Mars Hill. This is a great, another great example, right? Paul is in a foreign country, in a foreign... He, he, he was not a part of that culture. He was in Greece. He was standing on Mars Hill in Athens, and he was trying to witness to a group of people that were worshiping idols. He didn't go up there and start smashing idols. Hear me today. He did not go up there and start belittling and berating the idols. I'm so concerned in this hour that we as, as preachers and churches are spending so much time railing against the world and not enough getting the sin out of our own houses. Our lives straightened out. Lukewarmness, right? I'm getting out of my soapbox. I'm going to have to slide back off of here. Because if you're not careful, we will, as Paul did not walk up there and say, right, that, that's a false god. Those are idols. I can't believe you worship them. You're, you know, you're going to hell in a handbasket. I can't. That's tough. No. no. He said, let me, let me tell you something. I know. See that one that says unknown God? I'm going to relate to these people by speaking about a God they already know about. Was he worshiping that idol? Someone say no. 
He was using it as a tool of communication. He knew his audience. Sometimes as preachers, we are judged, especially with the hour of, of Facebook and multimedia and all the stuff that we, can, we put out there. People want to criticize your methods when they have no idea who you're speaking to and what you're trying to accomplish in your mission. Don't let others dictate your mission. You better hear from God and let the chips fall. Because in my life and in yours, as ministers of the gospel, you're going to have things that you say and do that other people simply will not understand, misread, and misjudge. Don't waste your time trying to explain to everybody everything God's tried to call you to do. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. There are places in my life where I never thought I would be. Places that I never thought I would minister. Places I never thought I would go. And it's not because I agree. It's because I'm in partnership with God. And I'm simply saying to them, let me tell you about something that we both can speak about. Both have common knowledge about. So I don't, more and more I live, the older I get, the more firm the call of God in, in our lives we will be able to, to minister in places we never dreamt, despite the people that criticize that says you're now a part of them or a part of that, or you believe this or believe that. Right? Paul said, let me tell you about the unknown God. Never shook his faith, who Jesus was, nothing, his experience. So he spoke to the Greeks differently than he spoke to the Jews. He spoke in a language that they could understand. He used things they could get. Am I helping anybody today? If you don't, then you're going to find yourself frustrated. All right. Finally, know your Bible. Everybody say, know my Bible. Know my Bible. Context. Everybody say context. Context. <laughs> context, context, context. Why is this so important? Oh, man, I wished I had a couple hours right here. <laughs> uh, the reason I have context, context, context is because... Knowing your Bible is about, this is not about knowing where a verse of scripture is, you know, repent and be baptized, everyone, where's that at? You know, well, it's Acts 2.38, right? It's not about knowledge of that type of knowledge. This is about understanding, but not just understanding, but having the knowledge behind the understanding. So get yourself knowledge, it says, the scripture writes, and from that knowledge, you get understanding. With, you can't have understanding without knowledge. So when we, when we look at, hey, elder, when we look at this, we find ourselves in a place where we go, okay, I, I need to make sure I'm contextually right when I'm espousing the word of God. How many of you know you need to handle God's word with the greatest care, the greatest of care? So when I say context, context, context. I'm asking, you know, Dan, Dan and I will talk. He'll call, well, I've been studying the scripture. What is and, and, and he'll tell you, I'll say, well, what is, what is the context? What is, who's he talking to? You know, what, what was said before? What does the rest of the scripture say about that passage? What is the theme? Write this down. In every passage of scripture, that's so good to see you. In every passage of scripture, in every passage of scripture of God's word, there is a promise in that passage. Everybody say promise. Promise. It's giving you hope. It's giving you, it's God's word. And, and since it is the, 
the word made flesh, since it's the word, it is God, right? It is going to give you a promise. There's promises that are related to every, every passage. Secondly, dies are promises, but there are precepts. Everybody say precepts. precepts. Now, the word precept means absolute. The absolute of God. The absolute of God. So there are things that you, God doesn't, it will never change. You can't murder somebody and it'd be okay, right? That's never changing. That's a precept of God. You can't uh, sleep with your neighbor's wife and God be okay with that. That is forever settled in heaven. That's a precept, absolute of God. Precept, precept, precept. So when you're reading a passage of scripture, you always ask yourself, what is God speaking here? Is this a precept, right? There's always a precept in there. There's always a command, always a promise. The third thing is there's always going to be a principle of God. Principle of God. Now, we were all raised in, in, in places where we heard that uh, smoking uh, is sin. If you heard that when you were growing up, someone say amen. Amen. Right? We were all, we all, we all, but we never heard that Twinkies are a sin. Someone say amen. Amen. <laughs> and it's all based on what? The body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? Right. So we found something, which, by the way, I think is disgusting, and I don't like and am opposed to vehemently. And that's why we it was easy for us. People didn't ask, well, where's that at in the Bible? Well, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, that's not in the Bible either. You know, it, it, it's... One of those situations where it's, it becomes tradition and now it's repeated so much that we think it's Bible. I could give you a thousand quotes probably that people quote as scripture that aren't scripture, right? So this is why context, context, context. What is, what is the context, right? Am I suggesting you should go smoke cigarettes? <laughs> That's silly. That's asinine. But I'm also suggesting that you better know the scripture because it also says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost about Twinkies. So if, if we can't understand that, we're not being spiritual. Why? Because the context of that passage is not talking about cigarettes. <laughs> it's teaching us a principle. And that principle is that we ought to take care of this body because it houses the Holy Ghost and people that see this Holy Ghost need to see a proper body. So in those moments of our life, we have to, uh, for whatever reason, food is, is way off the table when it comes to preachers. <laughs> it's like that we have this, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we have this like, you know, thing. Um, so Context, context, context. Why? Because if you have, if you don't have the passage you're quoting in context, you will mislead people into believing a lie, and they will be damned. Serious, serious stuff. I challenge people all the time. I challenge other pastors and preachers. I have pastors and preachers that I that challenge me. Why? Iron sharpeneth iron. Am I right? But you better have people in your life that say, I don't think you use that correctly. And not be offended about it. Right. Not get defensive about it. Okay, well, let's study that together. What, what do you mean? What is your thoughts? What are your conversation? Dialogue. Why? Because I don't want to espouse something that's false doctrine. Mm -hmm. Or out of context. By the way, 
out of context. It's like saying half lie. So if I use a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy about when they made a, uh, an offering unto the Lord, the Jews, to uh, uh, build a temple and they brought their jewelry and their earrings and, their, and, they, and they melted it down and built the temple. If I can go now and preach that, that jewelry is a sin from that passage because God made them put, no, go read that passage. It said it was a free will offering. It has nothing to do with their gold, their earrings, right? What does it have to do with? It has to do with their willingness to give what was valuable to God's house to build it. So we misquote things, we misidentify them, and we use context incorrectly. So I could go through all kinds of passages where we, we contextually do not. So what, why, why am I saying this? Because you better study to show yourself approved. So if you're ministering to an individual or you're ministering to a crowd of people, it better be contextually correct. You don't tell us how to live our New Testament life from an Old Testament passage. You don't do it. Amen. I said you don't do it. Right. But why? Because that's, that's been fulfilled. It, it was a schoolmaster that is no longer needed. It was in its law and ordinances have no longer effect in my life. I've been delivered. Read Galatians. I've been doing, Christ came and delivered me from that law. So why should I ever go back to that law? Drag myself. Paul says it's bondage. He said, be careful of those that come in amongst you and try to drag you back to that which you have been delivered from. This is in Galatians, in reference to Peter practicing Judaism and Christianity at the same time. He withstood him to his face, the scripture says. Why? Because it was false doctrine. In fact, Paul says it was heresy. And he said Barnabas followed it and became a heretic. What do you think about that? Heresy. That's some strong language from Paul about Peter. Read Galatians. Study Galatians. Why? Because you're going to see if we're not careful. I, this is my bailiwick. If you want to know what's going to go on my tombstone, it's going to be we were delivered from the law. And no longer live under sin, but unto the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, who purchased my salvation on Calvary so that I might live free from the bondage of sin and unto the walking in the Spirit, doing what God's called me to do. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, that walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is a moment in your life where if you don't understand context, you'll mislead people to believe things that are not true. If you're teaching an Old Testament passage as New Testament truth, you are not going to have the result because now they're trying to figure out how they can offer a sacrifice. Now they're trying to figure out how they can, what can I do to be saved? What can I do to be better? Is my sleeves long enough? Is my hair high enough? Is my, do I give enough of that? All that stuff is the law. So this is what 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says. Paul writes, be diligent to present yourself. Did it quit? Yeah. Tell you what, man. Get, um, I'm almost done. Not that I really care, but I do. My wife is going to ask me. Okay, let's see if we can do this again real quick. Everybody say amen. Amen. 
Okay. Oh, there we go. All right. Now let's let's try this again. Uh, okay. Contest. Con yeah, we're right in the right place. Okay. I'm almost done. Okay. Um, finally, this is actually the final part. Does everybody understand what I mean by context? Mm -hmm. Now listen, I, 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 there, let me say this about, uh, about, about knowing your Bible. Um, you know what? Let's do something. You guys have time? Yeah, yeah. If you don't, you can leave. Okay? I'm going I'm to come back to it. I'm going to finish this lesson. Respect the house. Everybody say respect the house. Respect the house. When you are ministering, respect the place you're in. Mm -hmm. Know your lane. If I've asked you to preach, do not preach something that is not in your lane. If I ask you to preach one Sunday and you got up and you gave a, a, a long expose on the, the evils of homosexuality, you're out of your lane. That's a pastoral issue. Any controversial issue is a pastoral issue. Issues that will affect, because you get to leave and I have to pick up the garbage afterwards. Right? Respect the house. So respect what God is doing in that place. Well, bless God, I'm called. Yes, you are, but you're supposed to be under authority. So, and under the authority means that you, it doesn't mean that you get squished on, but it means there's mutual respect. So, if I ask you to preach or teach something, don't, do, don't dare talk about politics, right? I don't care if you're here, there, or everywhere. Politics has no place in the pulpit. Jesus never talked politics. Name me one time. They tried to get him to talk politics when they said, who should we pay our taxes? And Jesus said, show me a coin. Render Caesar to Caesar unto God's God. That was the most he said about it. Now, mind you, Jesus was born into, into a system of slavery where if the Roman centurion told you to carry his coat, you had to carry his coat. And Jesus said, don't just carry it a mile, carry it two. Right? He was born into a system of slavery. He was born into a system of repression. He was born into a system where he should have, and the disciples thought he was, coming to set up his kingdom, mm -hmm. defeat the Romans. And you see how he responded to that. We never hear him say, man, that Caesar, whew, we got to get rid of him. He was God in flesh. He could have got rid of him. He didn't. He came to what? Seeking to save them that are lost. And if we do not follow that path, you have, personally, individually, you have your own political view, great. You vote, great. Do not let me hear about it in this house. You'll, have you ever heard me talk about it in this house? No. Why? Because my great example, Jesus Christ, never talked about it. Matter of fact, I can't find Peter, James, John, Peter. Nope, James, nope, John, nope. Wait, the Apostle Paul, did he ever carry a picket sign? Did he ever speak out against the local governments that had him in jail and in prison falsely? Did he ever speak out against them? I'm asking. Nope. No. No. Why? Because his, he's not a citizen of this world. He says over and over, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm here for the kingdom. I'm not here. And yeah, they falsely improved. Jesus, he was whipped and beat and uh, crucified. The Bible says he opened not his mouth. So, look, have I went and done? Yeah, politically, yes, absolutely. Never in this house. 
Never. Why? This is, how are you going to win all things to all men if you espouse political things, separating things, things that are going to separate us? Not just political, other things that will separate us, right? Why? Because we're called to be one. Jesus wept. Why? He wanted them to be one. He wept because he wanted us to be as, function as one body, one church. They were, day of Pentecost full come, they were in one mind and one accord. Why? Because they had to be unified in order to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. In this hour, this message I'm preaching right now is so unpopular. From the conservatives, ultra-right, right? To the ultra-liberal, liberal, everybody wants to talk and use a bully pulpit. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. That's not our job. If I can't walk into a room and save everybody in that room, then I am missing my calling. I don't know what God's called me to do. And I can't save everybody if I have alienated them through my mouth, my actions, my words. Well, pastor, does that mean we shouldn't stand up for what we do? No, stand up for what you do. Don't do it in this house. Understand that there's a place and a time for all things. So, I'm not suggesting that you not be a patriot, that you not to, no, that's not, I'm not suggesting that. And there is a group of people now are accusing people that are trying to, to espouse this understanding that, look, Jesus didn't, we call ourselves Christians and followers of Christ, and Jesus did not do these things. Are we really followers of Jesus? We cannot find one reference in the scripture where God is silent, we are silent. Amen? So, how do we how do we go about? Well, I'm talking about when you're respect the house. Someone say amen. amen. So ask if you don't know. I've been in situations where I have asked, uh, you know, uh, pastor. I felt impressed to uh, take an offering for the building fund of that church. I didn't go do it. I, hey, pastor, the Lord. This is what the Lord's impressing me. Do you feel like that that would be proper tonight? You know what? Can you wait on that? Sure, no problem. All right now, it's in his court. He's the shepherd of the house, right? I was trying to do what God told me to do, but if he didn't want me, well, I got to respect that. I can't, well, bless God, God told me to do it. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You wouldn't want that in your house, would you? No. Mutual respect is so important. So don't teach or, or talk about things that are, are controversial. Um, make sure you know who you're talking to. Make sure you understand the culture that you're speaking to. Make sure that you understand fully what your expectation is. Today, Dan asked me, Pastor, do you want me to close the service tomorrow or do you want to come do it? That was a proper question, right? Why? Because he needed to know how to prepare. He needed to know, what should I do? What is my expectation? What is my limitation? So this is important. Ask if you don't know. Ask if you don't know. Respect the house. Someone say amen. amen. Any questions there? Any questions about that? A comment, though. Yeah. If you know, when you 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 were talking about and studying to show yourself approved, and you read the scripture where it said, uh, but it talked about studying to have an answer. I'll give an answer to anybody who asks a question. And this week, God was really talking to me, and so I circled it when you started, and I said at the end, of, yeah. But God was really talking about we have a world that is looking for answers, but they we have to wait for a question. 
so many times we we go up and we give people this knowledge and they've never asked they've never they're not ready that's to a great it. point not wanting okay. to yeah it's but a great point and we're frustrated ready. about it yes yeah yeah I, I was we were i was watching a clip from that show the chosen and the the one Mary Magdalene has the demons cast out, and the one guy's Nicodemus is following her around. He's asking her, "How how did you, how are you different?" And she's like, "I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know. Jesus, he he touched me, and I'm all better." And he's like, "Yeah, but but how?" And it was like God was showing me like that's what it's like in the world. Yeah, they should be coming to you. Hey, what is different about your life? Right, Not right, 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 you, right. Hey, let me show you what worked for me. Yeah. Like, it makes it, and that scripture really brings that correct. Be the gospel. Right. Be the gospel. Right. As you, and, and from the be, you will share the gospel. Right. 